Hello and welcome to All Things Women's Health. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Stroud. I'm an obstetrician gynecologist, I'm a father, I'm a grandfather, I'm a small business owner, I'm a Catholic, I'm a lot of things. But right now on this show, I'm your host as we talk about all things women's health. And we'll always do it from an authentically Christian Catholic perspective. You know, from childbirth to infertility, pregnancy loss to menopause, homeschooling uh, to personal trainers, it doesn't matter. If it affects women and their health, it's on our agenda. And joining me today is a remarkable couple whose story I just know that you're gonna find applicable, uh, if not to you, to someone that you love. Kevin and Julie McCann are my guests, and they're gonna share really a vast experience of all things birth, whether that's hospital birth, or birth center birth, or one baby, two babies, infertility, even miscarriage. Um, so get comfortable as we get to know a lot more about this terrific young couple, uh, and we'll be right back to talk about all things women's health. Well, Kevin and Julie, welcome to All Things Women's Health. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, Thanks we for don't. Introducing we don't. us as a young couple. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I don't know if that says a lot about your youth or my old. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's hard to know. Maybe a little bit of both. Um, you guys have a terrific set of stories to tell. Mm -hmm. You've got quite a journey to be as young as you are. You've had a lot of obstetrical experience, you might say, um, in a variety of sort of venues and. Uh, flavors, if you will. So maybe let's just start at the very beginning. Let's start with marriage. Yeah, so we were married in 2010, and, you know, we had a perfect plan. We were going <laughs> to wait a year and then start trying. And, um, you know, when we started trying, it just didn't happen. Yeah. We didn't get pregnant right away. Did and you wait that year? Yeah. So a year mm -hmm. goes by, mm -hmm. and then you decide to flip the switch, yep. and everyone thinks it's going to be pregnant right away. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so we went to our provider and, you know, expressed, you know, we've been trying. We're not having any luck. Yeah. Um, we had done a natural family planning class. It was like a weekend long class um, through our marriage prep. And sure. so, you know, we weren't necessarily ever preventing. We were always following the guidelines. And um, we, we were just told, just keep trying. And if yeah. you don't get pregnant in a year, come back and we can help you then, but insurance isn't going to cover anything oh my. before this year. So if you back up yeah. maybe just a bit, you know, um, when we were married, we're, we both grew up Catholic. We were very fortunate to have um, very similar upbringings, different towns, but very sure. similar. Uh, both came from a family of four. So when Julie talks about our our ideal, our expectation up. Yeah, we'll get married. We'll have probably four kids and uh, <laughs> two boys, two girls, and that's going to be, you know, what the the thought is. Yeah. And so, um, thank goodness, you know, going into marriage, uh, I can say Julie never took any artificial birth control. Sure. So, for our perspective, when we were going to the provider, it was like, well, this doesn't make any sense. You know, there's no reason why this wouldn't just happen so naturally. Mm -hmm. Most people make it look really easy. Um, and and so yet you still got that recommendation to postpone, essentially, another year. Mm -hmm. Do you remember what that was like? Uh, did you did you like hearing that advice? Do you be, Were you frustrated by that advice? I don't want to put words or thoughts in your mouth, but do you remember that feeling when they said, essentially, just go away and come back in a year? 
Yeah, it was incredibly discouraging. Yeah. You know, um, all of our friends were starting to welcome children yeah. and we saw that and it was beautiful and yeah. we, we wanted that and we just didn't know what we were doing wrong. Yeah. You know, this is some of the most common advice that I think couples receive from their gynecologist, uh, uh, this idea of a year, mm -hmm. um, which in the Creighton uh, natural family planning world, I think we would say that's a waste of about seven or eight good months. Mm -hmm. You know, an average couple will be pregnant in three to four good menstrual cycles. And, and if they're not, it means there's something wrong. And then if you think about it, just because of the logistics, it's gonna take a couple of months to get an appointment. Time is gonna go by. Maybe you get ill and you miss that appointment. It's a year and a half or two years in the snap of your fingers. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, that wait a year advice, it's just not great. Um, I would much rather see couples at the beginning of that year than at the end of that year. Mm -hmm. So you spent your obligatory year mm -hmm. being open and trying, but nothing happened. Mm -hmm. We had taken the, the natural family planning course. Uh -huh. We were just, just either newly married or we were, I think that was prior to getting married. And uh, I think we went into marriage kind of thinking like, I mean, for me, it, again, we both, we both grew up Catholic. Yeah. Um, but I remember as a young man in particular thinking, we're getting married, <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. So the, uh, the, a lot of the, the things that came along with the natural family planning it seemed, I think, for me, a little intrusive. Yeah. Um, as a as a young, you know, young sure. married couple. Um, so I would say, we we never really uh, we, that first year when we were not trying. Yeah. Um, it just we kind of followed a little bit of the Creighton model, but by no means compared to what we know now. Sure. Did we have a great bearing on, mm -hmm. you know, it was kind of uh, a loosely followed yeah. because, uh, you know, uh, good consequences of yeah. uh, a, a pregnancy would have been welcomed sure. at that point in our lives. So you you keep trying for that year. And what, what was next in the timeline? We did um, finally achieve mm -hmm. pregnancy. So we were ecstatic about that and did it require any interventions no. or any it just happened within mm -hmm. that year okay yes. however you know i think you almost as a young couple once again you're filled with kind of a self-doubt um yeah. you know in those months the fact that you're not doing anything yeah other than you know you can feel like you're try, wasting time yeah it, i hate to say it becomes almost burdensome but yeah. uh it's like, you know, the, it's almost as like you're, you're, we felt like we were feeling a pressure that we didn't even know we were yeah, feeling. In some ways, I think, um, and I've, I've had couples say this to me, it's almost like you suffer a penalty for what you learned. Mm. Mm -hmm. You know, so once you study the fertility cycle and you understand ovulation and you understand, admittedly, the majestic beauty of the system, then you start thinking, this is impossible. No one will ever conceive. Wait a second. I know people get pregnant. It must work, but it's never going to work for us. It's just too complicated. Um, and so couples will say, we feel like th th there's just no way mm -hmm. this can't happen. We're just wasting time. Something's got to be done. Mm -hmm. uh, but time sometimes is a magic, a magic thing, especially when you know what you're doing, so to speak, mm -hmm. when you understand the fertility cycle and you can be more intentional 
and your uh, and your efforts. Right. So thank goodness you conceived. Right. Yeah, keep going. Um, so then, you know, going through the preparation classes, it was all so new to us. <laughs> and so I think you don't know what questions to ask, yeah. you know. And um, going into the delivery, there wasn't a lot of, like, we did not have a lot of discussions with the OB of, like, what are your expectations sure. for delivery? Um, and 10 days before our due date, my water spontaneously burst uh, in a restaurant celebrating <laughs> my parents' <laughs> anniversary. So, of course. Um, you know, we arrived at the hospital. We labored for uh, probably 12 hours at that point. Yeah. And um, the OB came in and he said they wanted to start Pitocin and just said, you're going to want the epidural for that. Mm. And I didn't, I don't even really remember making the decision other than just, okay, like, I guess that's what you do. This was our first birth. We didn't know yeah. that we, we had, had a boy through the night. And, it, you know, the nurses were great. The labor and delivery. I mean, we had a, I would say we had a good experience. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, going through the night, just kind of walking, um, you know, kind of feeling like, uh, oh, can we go out in the hall? Just kind of pacing the room. Uh -huh. um, yeah, it was a long night. And then, you know, as a, as the guy, the dad, the, the husband, I'm sitting here kind of selfishly starting to think, my goodness, I've been up all night. How long is this going to take? Yeah. <laughs> well, and then we're going to have a baby and I'm, I'll probably never get sleep. And so <laughs> you kind of start to, I guess, uh, mentally kind of the laboring through the night kind of was wearing and it was like, yeah, well, let's get this over. Yeah. Do you remember when your obstetrician said, we should start Pitocin if that's how it was said. Do you remember if there was an explanation as to why? And are there risks? Are there benefits? Because that's an intervention. But do you remember that discussion? You know, I, I can't say that I really do. And I don't know if there was some discussion just because my water had been broke for 12 hours A at sense that of point. Time. Yeah. I, I had this like sense of 24 hours. Like if your water was broke for more than 24 hours, it would yeah. lead to a C-section. And, and I was fearful of that. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I think, I mean, that's probably one of our takeaways from the discussion of, of labor and labor choices and options. With an emphasis on choices, you have a choice. And every intervention in medicine, but particularly in labor, comes with risks and benefits. And you, as a patient, should understand both of those. And it should make sense. Mm -hmm. There should be sort of a value proposition. Sure. I think we should do this. It has issues, but on balance, I think it's a better way to go. But unfortunately, it's, it's often not presented that way. Mm -hmm. um, or this idea that at 24 hours, something bad is going to happen. Um, unfortunately, that's not really based in science, but it's out there a lot. And it's used, and it ends up being really a very scary, fearful thing because you think, well, of course, I don't want to. I don't want a C-section in your case. Yeah, I'll do whatever you say, mm -hmm. um, because you're not, you know, you weren't coming at that from a position of a lot of knowledge, a lot of preparation, a lot of data. You were just trying to make the best decision you could. Right. And that's a common, very common scenario. Mm -hmm. So you started Pitocin, and mm -hmm. it was sort of presented epidurals. You'd be just, crazy. Just take it. Yeah. I mean, what, <laughs> you're not a hero. I mean, I. It Turns out you said, are. But yeah, you are. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah. th that's the way it was. Don't don't be. Yeah. Just just take it. You'll be so much more comfortable. Yeah. And mm -hmm. that you know that was that. And, and really, I'd offer my my same question. Do you remember them saying, 
you should just get an epidural. Now, keep in mind, there's pluses and minuses of an epidural. Do you remember that at all, or was it kind of presented as this is what a reasonable person would do? I would say more on that. that. <laughs> more on that. Be reasonable. <laughs> right. I mean, mm-hmm. just sure. kind of fall in line. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's go. I mean, this is yeah. going to yeah. be better. You know, it'll yeah. just be a better experience. So mm-hmm. you got the epidural, started Pitocin, mm-hmm. and then how did things go? And then probably another 12 hours, and, and fortunately we had a vaginal delivery. Good. Everything went nice. well, but I did have a grade 2 episiotomy. Uh, um, so there was definitely that fear associated with that too, you yeah. know, just not really understanding what the implications of that could be. Mm. And why? Why do right. that? It's a mm-hmm. procedure. Mm-hmm. Same old question. Why do it? What are the risks? What are the benefits? Is there a value proposition for this procedure? Mm-hmm. You know, if I say to you, I think your appendix has ruptured, therefore I think we should operate on you and take out your appendix. Because if we don't, it's going to get more infected, you're going to get septic, you know, all these things, that's a value proposition. It makes sense to do that. Um, I'm guessing probably the decision to use an episiotomy might not have been explained that way. Right. I don't yeah. even. I think it was just done. We were laboring and we're going to do this, as I recall it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it was, I'm yeah. going to get do it a little small sure. snip. And mm-hmm. that was that. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. And that's not uncommon. Um, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, that's not uncommon. So you had your, your first. Mm-hmm. Great. Everything went okay. Yeah. Everything went great then. Uh, and then keep going. Um, so then about two years later, we tried again. And fortunately, we didn't have. <laughs> Yeah. Any issues that getting <laughs> pregnant? Yeah. yeah. So um, we got pregnant with our son, Lawson. Mm. And um, going into that delivery, I think, you know, since we had had the epidural before, it was kind of a little bit more of a. You know okay. what you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I guess we'll just kind of chart the same path, you know. And when we arrived then. So the funny thing about that, we had had an appointment and. Um, OB was going to be out of town. So we were actually scheduled for an induction. And so mm-hmm. we lived right across from the hospital. I mean, I actually worked at the hospital as a physical therapist, so I'd walk <laughs> to work in the morning. And um, we were getting ready to go over to the, the 6 a.m. We were getting ready to go and have this induction. Yeah. And Julie said, I think my water just broke. <laughs> <laughs> and... It was probably about 10 days yeah. as well. Both. Not in a yeah. restaurant this time. No, so just no. in our That's bathroom. <laughs> and I was like, well, I guess that answers any questions whether we're doing the right mm-hmm. thing. Sure. And uh, <laughs> so we go over. We, I didn't make her walk. We Good. drove Good. Uh, to the hospital and we checked in and she told the nurse, I think my water just broke. And yeah. the nurse kind of was like, well, that doesn't ever happen. <laughs> I'm sure maybe you just... Right. Having a little leakage or something. Sure. And well, lay, lay down in the bed, we'll check. And as soon as she pushed his head up, water. sure enough, <laughs> it was like, well, Good. I guess your water did break. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know what you're talking about. And now, this birth, though, this birth in labor, you did not get an epidural, right? No, I did. Um, so they offered the epidural. And when I thought, well, I mean, it went well. Oh, oh, mm-hmm. I see. That's so, right. um, so they attempted the epidural. And they were unable to complete the epidural, so there were three attempts. I'm and thinking they were at L4, mm-hmm. and he, I mean, Julie's kind of leaning on me, and uh-huh. I'm on the edge of the bed, and so she's in a you know flexed position, and he's trying pretty hard to get this epidural oh, to go through, sure. and it just would not quite go through. Right. 
And as a physical therapist, I think in my mind, I was going, oh my goodness. What's wrong? (laughs) I'm going to have back issues. I'm going to, you know, and I, I have a history of vasovagal. And so I looked at him and I said, I'm going to pass out. Oh my. And sure enough, then I came to in the bed. Literally, as soon as she said that, she's slumping over. Oh my. Mm -hmm. So I kind of lift her legs and he said, I need to lay her down and kind (laughs) of lifted her back into the bed and laid her down and... It was like, you know, got some oxygen on her. And yeah, then oh. she, she came to. And I'm thinking to myself, once again, the patient advocacy, I'm thinking, gosh, we're not going to try that again. He said, let me go one level up. I think, oh. I think I'll be able to get it one level up. Thank goodness, uh, yeah. or not, who knows, mm-hmm. you know, he goes one level up to L3, L4, and, and it, it goes right in. Mm-hmm. And so from there, Mostly, you know, pretty smooth sailing, but it, mm-hmm. that was that was alarming. Did you get pitocin again that labor? Or yeah, they didn't? did. Mm-hmm. Similar story, a sense of time. Um, I actually, I felt like I was progressing a lot quicker mm-hmm. with my son, but we kind of felt like maybe they were dialing some of the pitocin back to try to time out. Oh, to slow down. Yeah, to slow down. Um, we got uh, to a point where sh- you were dilated. At say maybe two in the afternoon and yeah. it seemed like hey this this could happen mm-hmm. and then you know they kind of turned the pitocin back a little bit Slow and in hindsight down, so. it was, was <laughs> like well we we're trying to get through probably you know office yeah. hours to the end of the day yeah. and then ramp back up those you know in in the at the time that, that was, you know, you're just going through it, so you don't yeah. have a ton of perspective, but on reflecting back, mm-hmm. it, you know, later that day, we thought, hmm, that was convenient the way it ended up working Provider out. may have been busy, <laughs> may have been in the office, sure. may mm-hmm. have had other stuff. I would put that in a category of what I call the model of care. So, um, you know, when you're talking to an obstetrical provider, you know, you like them, sure. I, I like you, there's a chemistry, but explain to me your model of care. How does it work if I need to deliver my baby in the middle of the afternoon? How does it work if I my water breaks in a restaurant and you're on vacation? Mm-hmm. You know, does somebody cover you? Do you cover somebody? Do I go to a different hospital if you're out of town? You know, all those things would be kind of the model. And they are, I would say, the things that get discussed the least mm-hmm. because it's not what people are thinking. Mm-hmm. You know, they're thinking, my neighbor said you were nice. I like you. You seem nice. I'll go to you. Well, what does go to you actually mean? Uh, and that that those would be examples that those are really worth discussing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it felt like maybe the gas was pulled back mm-hmm. a little bit. Well, in our yeah. instance too, you know, you're work. I'm working at the hospital, so oh, let's yeah. not make any waves. Let's you know, oh yeah, oh, there's not a social questions. Yeah, we're yeah. gonna we'll be the good patients, and yeah, kind of just everything's gonna work out. You mm-hmm. know, so so you go on and then deliver your second. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Anything remarkable about the birth of your second? Um, not really. Everything went pretty smooth, but he did, you know, when our baby was born, he really didn't like cry. He didn't come (laughs) too quickly and it started to panic us. Uh, Um, so they did take him and they had to work with him for a little bit to get him to cry, to get him to kind of respond. But, but overall everything went pretty smoothly. This would have been the the time it it was probably about 430 in the afternoon there was two OBs in the practice mm-hmm. that worked together and we had done all our doctoring with the one yeah and at the time that 
he was, I mean, it, it seemed fairly imminent. Um, he was crowning, and the OB we had worked with the majority of the time was also next door delivering twins, as we <laughs> came to find out. And so the other OB, who we knew to be very, very competent, and sure. speaking nothing, but we hadn't, I don't know that we'd ever had a, an actual appointment with him. Yeah, no real relationship. Um, correct. And so going back to what you were saying, uh, the, you know, what was the model of care? Yeah. Um, that wasn't anything that had been discussed. We were, yeah. I, I wouldn't say we were uncomfortable, but, but it was, it was different. A, oh, this is a new yeah. scenario. Sure. And so in that case, he kind of just stood maybe o- more on the periphery as the nurses mm-hmm. and fantastic nurses, uh, you know, kind of talked Julie through it. We were doing some pushing at that point. Yeah. And lo and behold, as timing were, at the last second then, the OB we had typically worked with, she came in. Oh, I see. And it was mostly kind of coming in, you're doing great, in the final probably <laughs> minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Caught him and yeah, everything again went smoothly. Nice. Um, but uh, that yeah. was just, again, kind of something maybe we hadn't prepared for after when you tell yeah. your birth story, it's like, well, this this happened and it was kind of a little bit different, yeah. but everything went smoothly. So Yeah, and it, it does fall into that model of care. You know, there are plenty of OB providers that will sort of say, well, I go to all of my own births. And I can remember when I was much, much younger um, attempting to do that. And it's great when it worked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the trouble is it was always one flu episode, one vacation, mm. one sick child from I'm not going to be at your birth. A total stranger is going to mm-hmm. be at your birth. And uh, people just don't think about that until you're in the midst of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it falls under that model of care. So I do think that's an important takeaway. Understand the model of care of where you're going. Make sure you like it. it may not be for you because, you know, they're all different. Mm-hmm. Right. So now you're parents of two. Mm-hmm. Um, you're through having kids. Two kids, that's enough for anybody, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we had our number four. That, that was always our goal. Yeah, you that's, know. Well, that's right. That was the master plan. That was the yeah. master yeah. plan, yeah. Yeah, four kids and a suburban SUV. So you're, mm-hmm. you're, <laughs> yeah, you're set. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then what happens next? Um, so we got pregnant with our third. Yeah. And I was terrified. I was terrified at the thought of an epidural again. Oh, because of mm-hmm. the experience. Yes, of because of my experience previously. And so I told yeah. Kevin, I, I do not want to do that again. Right. Um, also kind of happening with that, the OB we had always worked with had left that hospital. Oh, so that sure. kind of forced, uh, well, we need to rethink. Yeah, mm-hmm. let's make a, let's change our plan. Mm-hmm. Um, Julie was working in a hospital system at that time. Um, there was a nurse midwife in rural Northwest Ohio. Yeah. That's a bit more of a rarity. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, sure. So. Yeah, there, there, were, there were not very many nurse midwives in our right. area at all. Yeah. So um, the hospital I was working at, I did um, hire one, and, and I really, really enjoyed her. She was mm-hmm. great. Um, and they would allow you to labor in a tub, but we could not deliver oh, sure. in the tub. So, you know, that was appealing to me, something more natural. Yeah. Um, Avoid the epidural. Yes. Mm. Yes. Um, so actually, I was probably seven months pregnant, and um, my dear friend, Wendy M., who's now a Creighton, 
um, provider, she was telling me about a talk she was doing with you at um, <laughs> our Catholic church in town. Uh, and so I came and listened. And at the same time, <laughs> I was, uh, as a physical therapist, I was starting to study women's health and mm. pelvic floor therapy, uh, sure. which was like a whole new world for me. But starting to learn, wow, there's there's so many other options out there that I didn't even know existed. Yeah. Um, treatments and things that, you know, I, I had had two episiotomies. So, right. you know, as I started to learn about scar tissue release and pelvic mm. floor strengthening and thinking nobody ever talked to me about this, mm. you know, yeah. even postpartum, I didn't know I should be doing something. I didn't, yeah. all these, all these things. And I was just thoroughly impressed listening <laughs> to your talk. And I, and I remember telling Kevin, all right, next baby like that's <laughs> where we're going we're going to fort wayne um but yes yeah, so we went into our delivery with our third and it was it was really good you know uh, on the way to the hospital kevin and i were talking earlier um he definitely le- looked at me and said how like how much do you want me to support you in this natural like if is there like a code word that (laughs) if it gets to this point then you let you do the epidural or what and believe it or not that's a very common discussion Mm -hmm. because uh, for husbands that's tough on us i mean you told me to advocate for you okay i will but what if you change your mind how will i know if you really mean it yeah Mm -hmm. Uh, that's can be really tricky and i didn't know you know i didn't know because i hadn't ever know Mm -hmm. yeah i mean we you know we've grew up playing sports uh <laughs> we'd both done a i knew she was tough we'd done sev- <laughs> half marathons and so forth yeah. and so there was no question in my mind mm-hmm. hey you can do this however yeah you don't want to get looked at in the middle <laughs> of uh and just say I, my biggest fear to be honest would be to have sabotaged the experience oh. by trying to be so supportive mm-hmm. That then it's like you know what, just get get back there and yeah. mm-hmm. and not that she would ever or Julie would ever treat me that way, yeah. but you know as I think sometimes as the man in the the birthing experience, you know if there's pluses to uh, the way society has evolved, I'm glad that I've been in every birth and I can share in the story and it's not just me waiting in the hall to hear a baby cry. Passively. Yeah. Sure. I mean, for me and our relationship to be there supporting mm. has, has really, truly been a great joy. Mm. And uh, the things when we have been expecting, the things that I look forward to most are the eight-week appointment when you get to first see that heartbeat. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, ob- very obviously hearing that cry. and. Yeah. Um, the thing I would say about our pregnancies as we got, you know, the first one, you're just, as a new parent, you're just happy to be pregnant. <laughs> and it's like, thank goodness, especially, you know, thank goodness that we are able to do this. Thank goodness that we're going to be parents. Yeah. There's a great relief to that when that's yeah. been all you've ever really thought about. Mm. And then the second, as as our story goes, it was like, oh, there's things that could go wrong during pregnancy. Yeah. And so I would say for both of us, but, you know, particularly maybe myself, each pregnancy has brought about a little bit more anxiety, a bit more uh, knowledge of things can go wrong during pregnancy. This is, um, 
obviously a miracle, but also kind of a a risk to what your modern yeah. life is. And I mean that in in the best way, but you try not to let your your mind, yeah. you know, go to bad places. But but I think you speak to an important question, really, and that is, for, as a father, what is my role exactly? Mm-hmm. You know, in that early first pregnancy, you're kind of a passive spectator, maybe. Uh, and then as you learn more, it comes with some fear because you understand more. Yes. But then you start thinking, well, I'm, I'm a, am I a coach? Am I a cheerleader? You know, I'm a, am I an advocate? Am I a co-decision maker? How do I be helpful without being in the way? Uh, which sadly, particularly in a hospital setting, even architecturally, there's no place for husbands to be. Mm-hmm. You've, husbands too often find themselves sort of crammed in a corner, hoping they don't knock anything important over, but feeling as though, I, you know, I really am a spectator, uh, which is sad because it is so important, mm-hmm. but it's a very common set of feelings and questions that we hear from couples every day. But you made it through. We made it through. <laughs> yeah. It was, and uh, so you had your non-epidural, I, we call that natural birth, but yeah. you had your non-epidural birth. Were yeah. you surprised? Yeah. You know, <laughs> and laboring in the tub was an amazing experience. The water, yeah. Um, and not having to deliver laying on my back was also yes. something that, like, I didn't even know what to do because that's all I had known, yes. you know. But um, it was it was a great experience. However, I did hemorrhage after delivery and that was something I again I don't remember yeah. talking about to your point if things can go wrong it, it was yeah that so yeah. that was terrifying I yeah mean, for bet. 20 minutes I mean I'm yeah. walking around the room with a newborn and that w- it and w- you it can kind of see you know you can see the urgency in the providers in their face. faces yeah. and see, yeah ducks on top of the water and paddling like crazy all around you yeah. and and both of you involved in health healthcare as mm-hmm. physical therapists you know the mood when it changes mm-hmm. yes mm-hmm. yes yeah. and so I think there was uh, I remember laying in the bed thinking oh my gosh like I might something might happen to me yeah I might not be able to hold this baby wow. or you know I mean there was definitely a lot of urgency mm. with that and fortunately they were able to get the bleeding to stop yeah, good Mm-hmm. So you, you make it through child number three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, now you're very smart. You're really educated. Yeah. We aren't. You've we're not smart. <laughs> <laughs> we had um, we had sold our house because we were planning to build. Uh, so we brought Landry home to a very small rental home, <laughs> um, and Julie was. I would say I don't recall the numbers, but very much on the cusp of. She, easily could have had a blood transfusion. Sure. Mm-hmm. And so her energy levels oh, for right. probably yeah. Yeah. two to three weeks were, I mean, that was a tough. So, That's yeah, hard. we had two young children in a, a pretty small space, <laughs> added a third, and that's really when that house got uncomfortable for us. Mm-hmm. And yeah. by all means, we, by all measure, we had everything. Uh, but <laughs> this is a first world problem. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. And yeah. so, uh, yeah. And so then we brought Landry home and its next step is full bore. We got to start building a house. <laughs> and so, yeah, that year uh, really kind of flew by. I'll 2017 bet. did. It was kind of uh, a bit of a blur. Yeah. Um, but everyone 
everyone was healthy mm-hmm. and and so life was good um, as far as that went but in hindsight we kind of look back we were literally just talking about this just not too long ago um, I would say that was the first maybe realization that maybe a hormone balance maybe wow. something mm-hmm. was just a little off mm-hmm. I recall at that time it regular blood work done and mm-hmm. Julie's thyroid was off oh. and it was um, just kind of like well it, once again when you talk about uh, making decisions for your health mm-hmm. you, you know uh, blood work was back a nurse called Julie and said the doctor wants you to start taking Synthroid <laughs> so that we called a prescription and it was, it was like okay well at the time she was still nursing and I, I was a person who didn't take medication right. like mm. it. And so I called back and I'm like, well, why? Like, what, do, what is this because I'm nursing? Can I recheck it when I'm done nursing? Is there anything else I can do yeah. naturally? All and good questions. Yeah. yeah. And, and the answer was, yeah, just try to increase your iodized salt intake. Wow. And mm-hmm. Julie said, well, that's okay. I like salt. <laughs> yeah. And so that was but the then solution. You, you might have thought, well, if that was the solution, then why would you have suggested I take the medicine? That's exactly what we're taking. The, right. Instead exactly. of taking the supplement. Yeah. I mean, very natural, expected questions. That's mm-hmm. not, that shouldn't have been a surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so then two months after I stopped nursing, I did recheck my thyroid and it was within normal limits uh, sure. for what I understood. But, you know, I, I often look back and think I really, if I would have probably admitted it more to myself, I think I was struggling with postpartum. Uh-huh. I mean, there was definitely some hormonal yeah. stuff going on that I think I kept attributing to We're just the stress house. of Life building is and kind of stressful anemia right now. from the hemorrhage. Yeah. Yes, I mean yeah. many mm-hmm. things that w- either we personally or collectively with you know healthcare providers mm-hmm. didn't really look into maybe as thoroughly as we could have sure and yeah so looking back on that year of 2017 uh, there were there was multiple factors there Mm. stress level was naturally high um just because of our lifestyle and then on top of that uh you know I, i think it's without question with the information that we have now yeah, there were mm. hormonally we could have been doing more mm. mm-hmm. to help our situation in terms of yeah. mm-hmm. uh, any type of yeah postpartum or sure. or so forth. Yeah, that, that's probably an important takeaway for listeners as well. If if it doesn't feel right in the postpartum period, it probably isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but everybody's fatigued, so that can mm-hmm. be tricky. Sure. I mean, now you're experts on fatigue; <laughs> <laughs> you, you know exactly <laughs> that feeling. But you're not just describing fatigue. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I like the way that you said it. You just there's just something that wasn't exactly right, yeah. um, and we should not be afraid to bring that up because it it usually is something that's not right, mm-hmm. and it can be a thyroid dysfunction, uh, it can be a progesterone phenomenon, it can be what you might think of as simple if there is such a thing, postpartum depression, uh, but it can be a thing, and it can mm-hmm. usually be addressed. But we've got to bring it up. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But you manage. You mm-hmm. um, you get through child number three. Mm-hmm. Do you remember feeling like life changed much for you at child number three? I ask that personally because I remember when we had our third child. Now we lived in in the South, and so everyone had two kids in the South. No one had three mm-hmm. kids in the South, and we had our third child. And I remember thinking, you know, now we're a legit family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> three kids. 
three car seats. Now, you know, we get noticed in restaurants now. Um, but I don't remember it being that that much harder than mm-hmm. two. Maybe that's because our third child was just an easy child. But do you remember how or if things changed much for you with the arrival of the third? You know, I think I remember joking that we went from one-on-one defense to a zone <laughs> yeah. defense. That's yeah. right. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, we had a, we have a super supportive family. Nice. So our our parents are very helpful. And that changes one's yeah. perspective dramatically. Yeah. It does. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If it if it weren't for, I mean, for us personally, if it weren't for family support, mm. mm-hmm. life would look and feel drastically different. Right. There's no question about that. The other so. thing I remember now, this is 25 years ago, but at the time, there really wasn't a vehicle that would allow three car seats. In, mm. in a row. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that meant a different car, different s- style and different size car. And we didn't see that coming. That was a big, that was probably the thing that was the most dramatic, mm-hmm. you know, with three kids instead of two. But I, you. we Yeah. I, I don't think we hit that point maybe until number four. <laughs> yeah. And then certainly five and six. Wait, spoiler alert. Instantly. There's more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So now you're a family of five. Um, life is good. You're mm-hmm. headed to a bigger house with more space. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, how, where does life's journey go then? So then in June of 2018, um, you know, we found out we were expecting. And we were This was the first. Yes. No, sorry, not to get you yeah, This was the first uh, time it was not. We hey, were let's, super trying. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, that, this one was a bit of a surprise. Took yeah. us off guard just a little <laughs> bit. And mm-hmm. yeah. it wasn't like um, life was such that this, there was some events coming up that uh, thought, oh, this is going to be, this yeah. is going to be a little tricky. Um, His sister was getting married <laughs> and I was in the wedding and I already uh, had my bridesmaid's dress. Some so logistical things. Just there. a little bit of a, a panic Again, moment. Again, first world but, issues, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But. Yeah, things but that yeah, go through your my, mind. My mom was like, no, we can totally, we can take the dress out. It'll be fine. Nice. But um, yeah, so we called your office uh, and we made our first appointment. Because you decided Fort Wayne was for you yep. in the last pregnancy. The last yeah. pregnancy, okay, yep. Okay, good. Yep. And so we made our first appointment and we were very much looking forward to it. Uh-huh. And then on July 4th, um, I remember we had everyone over for a barbecue and I just started bleeding uh-huh. terribly. And I thought, oh no, this... Mm. You know, you hear about it, and I knew my mom had had a miscarriage. Yeah. Um, but there's definitely that fear, and then there's still that like, well, you had some people telling you, well, I had, I had a lot of bleeding, and I, everything was fine, so it might still be fine. So there's yeah. that little piece of hope that you're holding on to. Sure. Um, so I remember calling, and they had me get some lab work done, hmm. um, and then there was a follow up lab work like 72 hours later. Right. And I will never forget the phone call from Marianne, your wife, um, explaining that, yes, the pregnancy. We had not yet met. Yeah, we had not yet met. We hadn't had our first appointment. We had not even met any of your providers. Yeah, so this is all a faceless Mm -hmm. sort of, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's tough. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, Marianne, I will never forget that conversation. Her voice was so calming. Mm. And, you know, she told me... um, you're not broken. Mm. This happens, you know, and sometimes we can't explain it. Um, but she assured me that once we got pregnant again, call right away mm-hmm. and we would check my progesterone levels. We would take active steps to, yeah. you know, do whatever we could to make sure we had a healthy pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And then she ended the conversation and said, 
I'll be praying for you. Mm-hmm. And I got off the phone and I said, man, like you don't meet providers <laughs> like that anymore. You know, <laughs> like to say like, I'll be praying for you. That meant, that meant so much to us. Wow. So yeah, sorry, I get choked up and, talking uh, about that. You know that for mm-hmm. us again, both grew, grew up Catholic, raising our children as Catholics. Mm-hmm. I mean, that means something mm-hmm. to, to know that, um, just more on a personal level. Yeah. And be, the, the, the thing of having a miscarriage kind of in the, uh, you know, first trimester, early kind of phases of pregnancy, um, it, again, I'll speak maybe from the guy's perspective and something I've tried mm-hmm. to maybe share more with other guys who have gone through a similar situation. Um, I think it's easy if maybe it's a societal thing, maybe it's uh, just a, a guy thing. I think it's easy to, again, just feel like you have to be the strong one. Yeah. And well, life's going to march on mm-hmm. and you know, you get a comment here that, well, thank goodness you weren't any further along. Because that and would have somehow been different. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you yeah. kind of uh, maybe pack that away a little bit. Yeah. And it's only probably been um, in the last few years, I think, as as our faith has grown as well. And maybe where the country's at, um, where the, the pro-life, mm. uh, you, you, have, you have to be more out. I mean, we feel to be more out in the forefront of it sure um i often i often find some of that communication those it's it stems from your position on life uh and at the same time for a husband it's very theoretical almost correct or abstract to be a better yeah. term you know your wife looks the same mm-hmm. she didn't look pregnant mm-hmm. she just told you about a test result and you sort of take that for granted but really i mean i haven't seen anything you look the same you act the same and then when you have a loss, it can be that same abstract difficulty. Well, you look just like you looked yesterday. Yesterday you were pregnant, today you're not. I don't really know how to interpret that as a husband. Clearly it's bad. My heart tells me something's wrong. And then for both husband and wife, the world tells you nothing's wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're just fine. Go to mm-hmm. work tomorrow. You're young. You'll have more children. Mm-hmm. At least you weren't further along. At least you have your other three children. Really, mm-hmm. a, a list yeah. of a list of horrible mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. well-meaning yet ill-informed. I think Correct. people too often. And then I I talk with couples sometimes about what I sort of call a kind of the life penalty. If you actually understand what's happened, and your position on life is what yours is, you realize I lost a child. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I didn't lose tissue with the potential to become a child, mm-hmm. and that's why I feel this way. But then the world's telling you you shouldn't feel that way. Right. It's really nothing. You'll be fine. And that creates this terrible kind of schizophrenic almost dilemma. I think it's like that, you know, that invisible sickness, you know, like pelvic floor yeah. symptoms. And a lot of the women I treat, it's what's so difficult is about it is their arms not in a sling. No They're not walking <laughs> in a walker. Yeah, yeah, nobody can see the internal struggle, you know. Yeah. And I think for me, it was such an emotional mm-hmm. roller coaster. And like, do you tell people? Do you yeah. not tell people? But yet, there was a hurt inside that I wanted to share. Yeah. But you know, we didn't want to. It, it was just a, an internal battle. Like, do do you share that information? Do you not? And sadly, too, I think there's a fear. 
there's almost a fear of judgment because of yeah. what the world says. Mm. Uh, if I am grieving and openly grieving, is there going to be a judgment there? Yeah. Which is is now, you know, sad to me. Very oh, it mean, is. for me it personally. Is. Yeah. Um, and in the workplace, that can be the worst part of it all. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. the workplace, in most work settings, it just isn't set up to deal with that. Mm-hmm. Could you have worked the next day, you know, physically? Probably. Mm-hmm. You know, should you have worked the next day? Absolutely not. You right. lost a child. If you lost a toddler, no employer would ever expect you to be at work. Right. But yet, to your point, nobody can see. Mm-hmm. You know how you feel. Nobody else knows how you feel. It's it's a it's a tough situation. Mm-hmm. There's nothing nice you can say about a loss. Um, and then again, well-meaning yet sometimes ill-informed mm-hmm. friends and family really sort of say the wrong things. Yeah, and you know, yeah. I, I really tried to to use it in a positive uh, as a blessing in terms of like when I was working with patients I could relate to them so much Mm -hmm. more you know we had so many deep conversations because there are so many women who struggle with infertility or secondary infertility and it it was it made me feel much more relatable to Mm -hmm. them so you know I think with everything God gives you he also helps you through nice. those hard times Absolutely. too. So you made it through that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then do you remember, uh, did you have hesitancy to try to be pregnant again or was it the opposite? You wanted to be pregnant right away? No, I think that drove us to know like we definitely wanted done. another baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know, once there was the, there was almost the feeling of, um, because that pregnancy was unexpected. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it takes you 48 to 72 hours to even wrap your head around it. <laughs> sure. And then there was almost like an internal guilt of that we even questioned that uh, that this was the, 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 the right, right path, timing. The right timing yeah. and so forth. How dare yeah. we feel that way? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so then, yeah, the next pregnancy was, was complete open embrace because mm-hmm. we yeah. felt so certain because we had we had gotten to the point where this is definitely no question about it mm. what we wanted <laughs> and, you know mm-hmm. and so, so affirming yeah. in that way yeah absolutely yeah. Mm-hmm. nice so some time went by how much mm-hmm. time do you remember uh, I think we got pregnant the following September so we had the miscarriage in July so and just then, a few months mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. great nice. yeah so you conceive again, mm-hmm. and then what? Uh, so we finally had our first appointment. <laughs> in at, person. Yes, in person. <laughs> and, you know, seeing the ultrasound, there's just nothing like seeing the heartbeat at that eight-week ultrasound. That yeah, it's good for husbands, too. Were mm-hmm. you there exactly, if you yeah. talk about... Um, the abstract. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's yeah. that's You can see that this is very much real. And, again, I don't know from a personal perspective, I'm seeing a heartbeat on a screen at eight <laughs> weeks. Yeah. No one will be able to convince me ever um, that that's not, there's not a life there, yeah. that mm-hmm. there's not my child there. And for me, yeah, as a as the husband, as the dad, that's that affirmation yeah. that this is, this is going to happen. Nice. This is life. And <laughs> the one thing that has been part of our journey through our faith and as our family is, um, you grow up in in the Catholic Church has, you know, we have the pro-life movement. That sure. is 
Um, and there's a lot of other, you know, people out there, thank goodness, even secular, non-religious that can recognize what a life is. But um, our just devotion to life has grown, I would say, infinitely from just seeing, you know, and and talking about and signing your name on a paper (laughs) once a year to say that you are pro-life to really stepping into that and feeling very comfortable with that in life, in your faith, and and being a representation of that. Mm -hmm. And so that's been an absolute blessing that's come along with our family that, Mm -hmm. you know. One of many, I'm sure. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) So you come and we get the privilege of meeting you. Mm -hmm. And now you're you're headed into your fourth, fifth pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Um, What were you thinking then? Uh, you've had a natural birth. Uh, you got to labor in a tub before. Mm-hmm. You had a postpartum hemorrhage, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So what are you sort of thinking as you enter this pregnancy, get the ultrasound? You know, I I knew that the DuPont Hospital had the tubs. Oh, and so right. that was something I wanted again. Because you'd I, experienced that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so throughout the course of our, our visits and our appointments, we started to hear about this Holy Family Birth Center. <laughs> and I was like, what, what is that? What is a birth center? You know, it's just not something, and there are none that I'm aware of nice. in Northwest Ohio. So yeah. I didn't even really know what that entailed. And then I started asking a few more questions. Like, is this going to be ready in time for? That's right. For, it's going to yeah. be close. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, we went to the birth center course. And I remember yeah. you and Marianne putting the course on and we talked about you know, all the things to watch sure. for, the things that would opt you in or opt you out. Mm-hmm. And um, it was a, the most information, like the most informative meeting I feel like I had <laughs> ever been to. And it it was a lot, but at the same time, I felt like a peace with it because uh-huh. I felt like I was very prepared. Mm-hmm. And I remember Kevin saying, I don't like that, a lot of things, you know? And I'm like- Well, uh, this is a very common husband response because we're usually- sort of the vice president of safety, right? <laughs> and so you think, that's a little weird. Uh, or sometimes people will call birth center the husband option because maybe the wife will say, I want to have the baby at home. And the husband says, that's too weird. And then the wife says, what about the birth center? For some reason, that seems less weird. <laughs> it's a home birth at somebody else's home. But it, it can satisfy sort of that safety concern that a lot of times husbands will naturally uh, have as protector. Um, but do you remember those conversations and those feelings of, is this real? Should we do this? Or? I recall <laughs> sitting in one of the classes and the six-hour discharge. Oh, and sure, yeah. In hindsight, I feel kind of like a heel for even questioning <laughs> it. But I said, well, if you have three kids, does that get you any more time <laughs> in the birth center? Uh, you know, it's waiting yeah. for you when you're <laughs> Uh, no, no. You could get a nice hotel if you wanted to, <laughs> yeah, but that's right. um, yeah. It, after going through it, um, it didn't seem crazy at all. Seems mm-hmm. like yeah. why isn't this more the model? I yeah. think if you even back up just a little bit, the one thing I would say the probably the year that we were doctoring with your practice, um, there was a lot of self discovery with you, Julie, um, you had started progesterone right away. Oh, yeah. And then I... We did. We were doing progesterone injections throughout the entire pregnancy sure. of Allie. And so just to see, you know, objectively, 
measuring where her progesterone was. This is where we want it to be. Mm -hmm. And we were observing that throughout that entire pregnancy. So to feel... And that probably started because of your your recent miscarriage. Correct. Correct. And so for, for us, though... I mean, I'm, we're just soaking in this information that we yeah. went through three pregnancies and this wasn't even oh, right. anything that we had, I didn't know what progesterone was. Oh, sure. Um, and now it's something where, geez, if you have low progesterone, and I think that kind of started a, a journey for Julie's health as well. Well, you know, and we looked in hindsight and it's like, well, you had low progesterone and then you almost feel like, geez, those other three, the three pregnancies that we had experienced, uh, my goodness, we're, we're really fortunate oh to right. have three How do we get through children. that? Yeah. yeah. And, and, and then in hindsight as well, well, that maybe makes some sense why your water, uh, you, you, you know, your water broke spontaneously twice before. Yeah. Kind of that made some sense. And so you, we started kind of piecing this puzzle together a bit more and learning more about mm-hmm. yeah. you know, Julie's body on, on top of that. You know, um, I know we discovered her, your ovulation cycle is, is a very, very small window, <laughs> um, yeah. you know, within Lots hours. Lots of discovery. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's like uh, we're starting to feel like more seasoned mm. parents. Well, knowledge is power. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, any, so any way you look at it. There was, there was tremendous comfort, though. Mm-hmm knowing that we were being proactive about things and we were we were kind of you have to have that feeling if you're doing those progesterone injections those (laughs) not fun um, nobody likes nope and um you know you you get over what would be expected and natural i won't say fears but concerns about out of hospital birth Mm -hmm. which is often a husband concern that's Mm -hmm. our job yeah Um, do you remember um around that time telling friends or coworkers, mm. we're going to have the baby at a birth center mm-hmm. and you sort of get that look. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, and our parents, oh. the same, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't going to go there, but but, uh, yeah. so, mm-hmm. but but parents, coworkers, you know, um, it's a very common response. Yeah. Why would they, you do that? Right. Why would you do that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think thing, the thing that people are often shocked to be reminded of is, uh, and I may have said it in your seminar, but this idea that healthy people go to a hospital to have a baby, that's a relatively new idea. You know, I can remember years and years ago asking my grandmother why she had, why she didn't go to the hospital for her first child. And I remember her saying, well, because I was fine. And, and that's very telling. What she was really saying is I wasn't sick. If you're sick, you go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. But if you're not sick, why would you go to the hospital? And that really has been the, per, you know, the prevailing sort of philosophy of childbirth until recently, and by recently I mean maybe 75 mm. plus years, but now that pendulum is swinging. But it can be hard to convince people that we're not crazy. Mm-hmm. We know what we're doing. It is safe. Uh, but but you experience some of that, it sounds like. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Family, um, friends, like, wait, what? You're coming home <laughs> in six hours? Right. <laughs> really? Like, <laughs> and, I, you know, oh. having to convince them, yes, we trust them. We're going to do and this. And we're going to do yeah. this. Yeah. Well, and, and fortunately for us, you know, our journey led us to the conviction that we had. Uh, we, oh. you know, the same probably presumably reason we're sitting here talking <laughs> was what led us to that decision oh. as well. It was mm-hmm. we've we've done we've done the medical route mm-hmm. and we don't want to go back to that. Sure. Um, we've done 
a, a pretty natural route, mm-hmm. and that was good. Yeah. No, this could be really great, and <laughs> and so that was kind of uh, I think yeah. our our thinking. This this was okay. This was better. This should be very good. Mm-hmm. And yes. lo and behold, it was the, the most. Uh, yeah, amazing delivery. So you had you had your baby in the birth center, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, why was it an amazing delivery? You've you've had you've had two births, three births. You're a birth expert. Mm-hmm. You've had medicated, unmedicated. Why was the birth at at Holy Family? What made that so different? You know, we we were not confined to the room. Um, I remember we freedom. We, yes, oh, we we paced <laughs> the birth center. I think we center. got there probably. At 4 a.m. Yeah. And so Marianne said, you pretty much have free reign of the place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we were up and down <laughs> steps, uh-huh. w- turning laps from the back stairway up to the front, sure. back down. We'd you know, go in the basement and Julie was lunging. <laughs> and I'm so pathetic. <laughs> yeah. I needed to take a break and go have a <laughs> granola bar because I was just <laughs> trying to keep up around behind her. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Mar- Marianne, you know, showed us the rebozo. We tried all yeah. the different. We were only the tenth birth at the birth center. Yeah. So um, we <laughs> and we have this great toy. Try yeah, this. yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it was, you know, I, I don't even know that I could put it into words. Like we had so many natural ways to help with the labor pains, mm-hmm. and then we were able to deliver in the tub, uh-huh. which was the funny thing is though we didn't. We didn't go into the birth convinced that maybe we would do a a, a tub a delivery. Water birth. Oh, mm-hmm. sure. Um, we it was like, well, that was nice to labor in, but you think we really want to have a baby <laughs> in the water? <laughs> um, but I can say, just again from a supportive perspective, um, I was in the tub as well. Julie was sitting in front of me, and in between contractions. I could kind of lift her back up, and yeah. and Julie's always had pretty significant back pain, mm-hmm. labor pain, mm-hmm. and uh, that I was mean, very helpful. It's a tough concept to explain, but you know, for someone like you, maybe you could speak to it. But labor pain is different than non-labor pain. It's not a traumatic pain. Mm-hmm. Shutting your hand in a car door—that's a traumatic pain. But labor pain is not traumatic. Mm-hmm. Um, but then labor pain when you have ultimate freedom and all of these other ways to deal with pain is yet again different than labor pain without that freedom. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you remember that sensation? Yeah, and I you know, I remember Marianne talking me through even like the breathing mm, yeah. and I had never had someone walk me through <laughs> like that low breathing and that really helped. Mm. Um, I think as women, we're so much stronger sometimes than we give ourselves credit <laughs> for. And you, I have a, a lot of women tell me, oh, I don't know that I could do that. I'm like, you can totally do it. Yeah. If you set your mind to it, you can totally, yeah. you can totally do this. It's, and the supportive environment yeah. makes yeah. all the difference in the world. Mm-hmm. If you have, the, from the nurses to the practitioners mm-hmm. supporting you, Again, compared to trying to convince you, just just do it. Do just things throw, my way. Just do it this way. It's yeah. going to be so much easier. Sure. Um, yeah, coaching you through it. Yeah, that, that made the, the coaching made a huge difference. I remember too, Marianne saying, 
relax, let, mm. let that baby come down. Mm. And I thought, oh, okay, I'm totally fighting it, yeah. you know. But just having well, as someone, a pelvic floor expert, you know, now yeah, you actually were fighting it. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I was, yeah. and so having her coach me through that, yeah. it was, it was eye-opening, really. Nice. Yeah. So you had a great water birth. Absolutely. Uh, no postpartum hemorrhage. No. <laughs> Good. No. That's great. Um, how was that early discharge, that six-hour discharge? How did that work out for you? You know, I felt so good after delivering, yeah. and it, I just remember it being such a magical delivery. I mean, yeah. everything about it, and I actually was ready to leave. Like That's I was the like, funny yeah. thing. I feel yeah. good. Like I yeah. didn't have any medication in me. I was totally alert and yeah. with it, and I was so happy to have I, I think people are universally surprised by that yeah and it, it doesn't make sense until you do it you weren't drugged mm -hmm. you weren't tired you also weren't starved you weren't on mm -hmm. the hospital right. labor fasting program right uh, and so you feel good and mm -hmm. you're ready to go home take well, a nap yeah. yeah yeah Julie she took a shower did a little bit of makeup even <laughs> and then our kids all came both of our parents nice. came up mm -hmm. and uh you know, they were there probably for like an hour or so. Mm. And yeah, so then the funny thing if, of it is, throughout that entire pregnancy, Julie would make a comment, well, I'm, I'm glad that this is our last, I'm, I'm glad I'm not gonna, we won't do this again, because four was <laughs> the number. We finished <laughs> on a Four high was note. the number. Right. <laughs> and um, uh. we, so the, yeah, the our parents took the kids home, and we maybe stayed for an hour more. But then we were looking at each other. I think we left in five hours because mm -hmm. it was yeah. like, oh, why, why wouldn't you we? ready yeah. to go? Yeah. I mm -hmm. mean, that's really neat. And so as soon as we got yeah. in the car, I will not forget. <laughs> Julie said, that was such a good experience. I almost think I could do that again. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, whoa. She, you thought, Clearly she's delirious. <laughs> yeah. you know, like, that's interesting. I mean, I'm sure she wouldn't like me talking about it, but uh, my oldest daughter recently, about eight weeks ago, had a baby in the birth center. And I was uh, fortunate to attend. And in 800 births, I'd never been to a birth at the birth center. Uh, but she, you know, allowed me to be there. And so I got to be there. And that was the first time that I really appreciated how magical out-of-hospital birth is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I was, when in the moment of it, I was trying to think, how would I explain this to somebody? Sort of like the question I posed to you. And the, the thing that kept coming up again was, it was just so peaceful. Mm -hmm. Yes. There was no mm -hmm. noise mm -hmm. other than the music, you know, my daughter had. And hospital births, as good as they are, they're just usually not that peaceful. Mm -hmm. It's just not designed for that. Uh, but the birth center birth was so quiet and so peaceful and, and frankly, so holy. Mm -hmm. yes. that, uh, that's, mm -hmm. that's what struck oh, yeah. me. And I'm not so sure that's architecture. I mean, there maybe there's a little bit of architecture in that, but it's more, uh, you know, it's more philosophy mm -hmm. of the building, not the prettiness of the artwork, but it, it really is how it's set up to mm -hmm. be peaceful or not. And don't just leave people alone and mm -hmm. let them do what they're made to do. Mm -hmm. But it is a remarkable thing. Yeah. But I'm glad you had that experience. Yeah, uh, it was it was wonderful. So now your family's complete. Mm -hmm. You head back to Northwestern Ohio and life is good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> and then I Well, it, and it it was um you know, at the time uh we have a physical therapy practice and we had opened a second clinic and <laughs> Julie was managing that as a, the lead therapist and doing mm -hmm. pelvic health therapy and Yeah. By all accounts, you know, 
everything what was right on track yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. should have been i mean mm-hmm. and, and it was i mean I, we could be still uh living our life and mm-hmm. we had so many blessings it, the funny thing of it was from a career perspective we were both right where we should have <laughs> wanted to be right. that was the goal yeah um but julie going back to work after having uh Allie just it didn't feel <laughs> didn't feel right it mm-hmm. just felt like I think uh, we were both kind of struggling with that should how do should, we do this should I be staying home yeah. should you know should we both be working out mm-hmm. you know what kind of home life do we want our kids yeah. to have and um those are tough questions again you listen to the societal expectation well you've gone to school you have this education mm-hmm. you should be using it mm-hmm. um and and so, and, and not to mention, well, what would we do with this clinic and all these things? Um, and so over probably a year or so, I would kind of joke and say, well, if we had a fifth child, I can't imagine you'd be working. That, <laughs> there, that would just be impossible. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember I got a, I think it may be a text message from Marianne or a call or somehow we touched base and she's like, you know. <laughs> Everybody else who had kids in the birth center about the time you did are now on their back, their other, yeah. you know, their next child. And I thought a little bit of peer pressure. There. Okay, <laughs> yeah. and but you know, I think sometimes it's that invitation, maybe, or the Holy Spirit kind of starting to work in you. And I kind of thought, you know, I really oh. don't know that I am done. <laughs> and that was, you know, you were speaking to in the South, people had two kids, but not right. three. Mm. You start to get to four, even, and people are like, mm-hmm. "Whoa, are wow. you going to do something about that, or yeah, are, is, you, are yeah. you done?" And yeah, sure. that question just like bothers me so much. I'm like, it well, is. It if is I funny. was blessed with another one, why would I be upset? You yeah. know, like I. It I, is bizarre the license that people will take mm-hmm. and offer commentary on something as intimate as how many children you have in your oh, family. Oh yeah, right. You know, they wouldn't say it about your physical appearance or right. something else, but they'll comment readily on how many children you have mm-hmm. you know, oh yeah that is an unusual arrangement but you get looks with you know four kids oh yeah that you didn't get with three mm-hmm. um, so I'm sure again yeah we we came from families of four mm-hmm. and so that was felt that normal. was our normal mm-hmm. that yeah. was that felt like you know it, it, certainly by today's societal standards it wasn't uh, yeah two to three mm-hmm. is, is normal um, four okay you guys like kids um (laughs) but yeah we still we're still kind of for again rural northwest ohio still in the kind of the comfortable (laughs) yeah um but yeah we just uh whether it be you know again kind of our faith journey um we both just really felt called and and we just felt like our family it just doesn't feel complete yet. Something over some six months, maybe, mm-hmm. just started to feel like this is not, this isn't quite where we are supposed to be. And so, so we thought, well, we'll, we'll be open to it, and mm-hmm. if it's See God's plan, then, yeah. then we'll get pregnant. So the joke is, right? We make plans, and he laughs. Mm-hmm. Um, what was his plan instead? Well, we arrived. We got pregnant. Mm-hmm. We had our first appointment at the birth center or at the FMCC. Uh-huh. And we sat down, and I remember the ultrasound tech saying, you know, sometimes at eight weeks we don't always see, and we might have to do, you know. I'm just settling into my seat. I'm (laughs) getting ready. This is my favorite part. And she put the ultrasound on, and I saw right away. 
I saw two babies. Oh, my. And I have twin brothers, <laughs> but they're identical. Mm. So I was always told that was a fluke. Sure. And it wasn't necessarily something yeah. that I could expect. And she said, well, I'll let you tell this story because I thought he was going to pass out <laughs> for a little bit. Well, the funny thing is we we camp. So the whole <laughs> drive over, I had found a camper in Fort Wayne that I wanted to go oh. look at mm-hmm. after this appointment. And it was... Uh, going back to the vehicle conversation, yeah. it got very serious at this point because uh, I'm still thinking about, okay, if we have a baby, upgrade our camper, <laughs> everything will be... Th- this was the discussion yeah. on the way to mm. the appointment. And, and she says, there's two in there. Yeah, and I was like, just... wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> settling into my seat. Apparently, I yeah. was for about five to ten seconds the only oblivious one in the room. <laughs> right. And she said, yeah, there's two. wow. There's two. Without hesitation, without any questioning to the point where I thought, I can't question this. And so then, yeah, I mean, we both laugh and, you know, Mm -hmm. it's. I was like, I was laughing and crying and he's like, are you, are you happy? Are you sad? (laughs) (laughs) What are you exactly? (laughs) Like, I am happy, but, uh, you know, with two, you understand that there's more risk. Mm -hmm. And I think as we've aged, we've experienced friends Mm -hmm. who've experienced loss and family and that's hard and you think oh boy we've experienced loss once like is that what's our risk where is this going to land us what you know I think everyone's brain goes there Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. when the Hollywood moment is over Mm -hmm. the the cuteness quickly becomes okay and I'm sure you thought pretty quickly what's this mean about the birth center absolutely (laughs) and the first thing she said well that's going to check you right out of the birth center. And I was like, oh, that's, that was yeah. our number five goal. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, in general, I think people don't appreciate until they've lived, lived it like you that everything is more complicated with twins. Mm-hmm. And the probability of extreme preterm birth, the probability of preeclampsia, or a lot of complications just goes up and up. Um, I mean, it is very cute and it is adorable, but it does come with all of those things, mm-hmm. not the least of which out-of-hospital births, not really an option. Mm-hmm. So you got over that, mm-hmm. um, and then how did things go? Really pretty smoothly. I mean, I just felt so comfortable with, <laughs> your. I, you know, I was kind of joking with Kevin when we were asked to do the podcast. I said, you know, <laughs> I came to your practice because I heard you speak, and I've <laughs> never been actually a patient of yours, <laughs> but you've surrounded yourself with amazing practitioners, and uh, we've had such a great experience with everyone. I mean, I think we worked with Rachel and Marianne mm-hmm. a lot um, during our twin birth, and every appointment I remember them going through, okay, this is where you're at, mm-hmm. what questions do you have? Um, just because you're doing a hospital birth does not mean that you, you know, will can't do this naturally Mm -hmm. that natural is still an option you know we did have a little bit of um, the babies were breached for a while Mm -hmm. and we were kind of told you know by this week they need to be head down and so there was a little bit of stress with that and you know lots of prayers and when we showed up for that appointment and they were both head down it was like (laughs) thank you really yeah I will never forget I wasn't at that appointment um and so, I distinctly, well, this is all COVID time as well. Oh, mm-hmm. sure. And so... Just another layer of complexity. It, it really, mm-hmm. truly was. Yeah. And uh, But, you know, for listeners, it's it's probably important to point out the first baby has to be head down with twins. Mm-hmm. The second baby doesn't really matter, or I should, I should say shouldn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Now, unfortunately, today, 
too many women undergo a C-section because the second baby flips to a foot down, bottom down position because there's just not enough providers left that know how to do a breach vaginal birth of the second twin. Mm -hmm. But as long as the first baby is head first, right. you've got options. Mm -hmm. First baby's not head first, you don't have a lot of great options. Mm -hmm. But you were fortunate, first baby flipped to the right position. Mm -hmm. um, and the other thing it seems worth pointing out, and we can, we'll can we'll get to your actual birth in a minute, but just because you have to have a hospital birth, it doesn't mean it's all over. Right. And this is gonna be terrible. Mm -hmm. it, it, it shouldn't mean that. It could mean that in some cases. But it really shouldn't. Mm -hmm. You know, you can have uh, the birth that you want in a hospital. It's just not as easy. Right. Y you've got to work at it more. You've got to have providers that are willing to advocate for you, mm -hmm. that agree with you philosophically. And that's not always easy to do. But it is doable. Mm -hmm. So I, I wouldn't want anybody to think, oh, sure, she had a perfect hospital, I mean, a perfect birth center birth. Uh, you don't understand. But you've been on both sides of the fence. Mm -hmm. um, so pregnancy progresses, the babies behave, mm -hmm. slip into the head down position, mm -hmm. keep going with uh, with the journey. So the day after Thanksgiving, we had a, a follow-up and they were doing the stress tests. Yeah. And I think I was dilated five centimeters. And I remember, uh, well, actually, no, we, we were doing an ultrasound. Didn't, we didn't have an appointment scheduled yeah. that day. We were just and coming I, over for an ultrasound. And I went to get up off the table, and I had a terrible contraction. And she's oh. like, do you want to be seen today? And I was like, <laughs> oh, I mean, she's like, well, since you're here, I'm like, I guess if, you know, if you have someone available. And I remember Rachel coming in and mm. checking me, and she's like, you're five centimeters, and the, they are <laughs> how, right how there. How far is the drive home from <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, I could make it in 45. <laughs> <laughs> But typically yeah. 50 to 55. Yeah. And so she said, well, let me make a phone call. Mm -hmm. And so we were in the, of course, we were, we had our bags just in case. Smart. Mm -hmm. um, good, good strategy. Yeah. We, good. we knew yeah. I was dilating quite a bit, so it could be any time yeah. at that point. Um, and Rachel said, well, Marianne and Dr. Stroud are on call over at the hospital <laughs> and we said well it's kind of like our dream team so <laughs> i mean sure yeah, yeah let's let's do this you know so um, she said no rush just mm, go over you sure. know right next door and uh julie had ordered some clothes uh online or something that we had to pick up at children's place <laughs> something mall, like yeah. this um, i had no idea what i was we had to go pick up some clothes <laughs> in the mall. We didn't give it a Black thought that it was Black Friday. You know, and and it oh, was day so after Thanksgiving, yes. It's like, right. yeah, go check into the hospital. and But you could go get go get a meal, go get something. Mm. So Julie's like, we could just run over to Children's Place and pick this up real quick. And yeah. I said, okay. And so <laughs> we show up to the mall, and it is absolutely packed <laughs> for the first time probably in two years you could go COVID. into a mall yeah. <laughs> and I was oblivious to where children's place was so I go in and I'm looking at a map and I, then I walk back and then I get it's taking a long time mm. so I get this these clothes and then I'm like half running out of the mall <laughs> and I'm thinking someone's gonna stop you thinking you stole something <laughs> get back out to the car Traffic was infinitely worse going oh, back sure. to the hospital than what it was to get to the mall. And uh, so then I started thinking, 
well, we, we don't have time to eat. We just got to, we got to get to the hospital. So we finally get there, check in. And it was like, it was almost like checking into the hospital at that point was mm. we could finally kick our feet up and relax on the you day. Made it, you made it. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Marianne scolded us for not eating and <laughs> promptly told us to order a meal. So we yes. did. And, mm-hmm. um, to the point of the provider advocating mm. for you, I think just just being in a hospital system, then, you know, the nurses, uh, I think they're probably used to more hospital way of, of doing things. Oh, yes. And then, <laughs> uh, you know, so Marianne was, was constantly kind of reassuring us, no, you, you can get, I know the monitors are on you. Yeah. You could still get up and move around. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. You know, it's it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Don't feel like you have to stay in the bed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just from that perspective, was reassuring throughout mm-hmm. the delivery mm-hmm. that yeah. yeah, you don't you don't have to just stay there. Uh, try to keep the monitors on as best as you can, but still yeah. try mm-hmm. to to move. So. And the, and our nurses were great. Yeah, you know, yeah. we ha- I had one nurse who. I know she had had, I think, five home births or something. Mm. And I remember her like doing something with my back. And I uh, thought, that, is, that feels amazing. I don't know yeah. what you're doing, but. I was watching this nurse do this. And I don't know what she did. Mm-hmm. She's going to put her hands on Julie's back as she was leaning over. Uh-huh. And Julie looked back and she said, she looked at me and she said, did you just do that? And I was like, <laughs> no, <laughs> I wish I had. And then I was trying yeah. to do that the rest of the time. And I, yeah, um, I mean, was the, failing the nurses miserably, were, that's beautiful. We're great. Yeah. yeah and I, again, to that point, you can have a great hospital birth. Absolutely. It does not have to be terrible. It just mm-hmm. takes a little bit of work and intentionality. And yeah. you've got to be pretty forthright about your, your desires. And you need a partner in a provider that's going to get right there with you. Yeah, and, and I think Marianne knew, like, our goals, yeah. and mm-hmm. so she was very supportive of them yeah. and, and talked us through everything mm-hmm. over and over again because, you know, I think sometimes when you're in that, mo- in that yeah. moment, you're there's so many emotions that sometimes you do need to hear it <laughs> yeah. two or three times for it to really sink in. Yeah. Um, well, it was interesting, though, because, again, we did have a very clear care model. You're going to labor in your room. And then you'll go to the <laughs> OR for delivery. Yes. And that's the way it's going to go. Because there's well, a hospital policy about Correct. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. lo and behold, you ended up going into the, the OR for an emergency C-section or something. That's right. And it was like, well, <laughs> we have a change of plans. We're going to have the babies <laughs> right here. Mm-hmm. And so I think you pushed for a little bit and it's just, okay, let's take a little break. Let's not burn out all your energy. Mm-hmm. And so we probably only waited about five minutes. And then uh, Marion came back in and, and Julie said, I, I think I need to. Yeah. And it was funny because with, with the twins, you had all the support staff file into the room, yeah, mm-hmm. standing there waiting with the incubator and everything. Double but, everything. Yeah. But, you know, there it, it was... I know Marion talked me through that, like it might be intimidating because there's all these yeah. people in the room. But, you know they're all there for your safety and your Mm -hmm. support and I think there there is a peace in knowing that too you know you're surrounded by really knowledgeable people and if something were to head south you would have the care you needed Mm -hmm. right at your fingertips yeah I'll brag on my wife a little because uh, and Rachel would have said the same thing I know if she'd been standing there what's what's important about that is recognizing that it might be a little intimidating Mm -hmm. as opposed to just assuming look you're gonna get the epidural lady you're gonna get Pitocin lady um, but her gift is in recognizing 
that look on your face that probably said, whoa, mm -hmm. what is all of this? And the ability to sort of quickly intervene and say, mm -hmm. here's what's happening and why. Puts you at ease. Your pelvic floor relaxes. Right. You know, <laughs> everything gets better. Mm -hmm. um, and so did you have to push very long for the first baby? No, not too long. Well, no one was in the room. And you, Marianne came back in because everyone had stepped out because you pushed. Yeah. Oh, and then, the other providers. Yeah. yeah. And so, the, you know, the, the nurses and the uh -huh. uh, prenatal team kind of were standing in the hall and kind of yeah. left. And then it was like, I feel like I need to push. <laughs> and it was yeah. like, okay, let, and everybody was kind uh -huh. of gearing up again and Levi came out <laughs> <laughs> just like that. Yeah. I mean, it was just like he he was ready. Mm -hmm. He came out kind of all at once. And mm -hmm. then, do you remember feeling strange about a baby just came out and they're telling me there's another one mm. in there? Yeah, <laughs> well, and I knew the plan because Marianne had walked me through, uh -huh. you know, as soon as he comes out, um, we're going to do an ultrasound right away there's to a see the tension. position mm -hmm. of yeah, where the baby is. Yeah. And she had told me, you know, the only hiccup would be if there is an extremity or the cord right. is first, yeah. you know, that could pose a there's little a, bit There's issue. a few moments of angst mm -hmm. there and, mm -hmm. and, and sort of a limbo that happens. Well, yes. the first thing yeah. she said was, I feel an umbilical cord and a hand. <laughs> and Dr. Stalling was right there. Uh -huh, you know, sure. she was right there with us as well. And Marianne was extremely calm, you mm. know, extremely <laughs> calm. I felt so comfortable with her and she said I feel an umbilical cord and I feel a hand mm -hmm. so I'm gonna I have my hand wrapped around the umbilical cord I want you to push mm -hmm. and I'm gonna push the cord back over the baby's head right and said, push with everything you have <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and we so did that and she said okay it's clear let's get this baby out nice. I think we pushed one more time maybe two yeah. and and our Lindy was born second baby comes out yeah on, on just Incredible. So within There's a matter of moments, you pushed two babies out of it. Yeah. yeah. Within eight minutes, eight <laughs> minutes apart. And it was, I mean, probably equally, I mean, as, a, as an observer, uh -huh. heroic and miraculous as the, I mean, the water birth certainly had the element of peace and serenity to it. Yeah. And mm -hmm. this had a, a degree of chaos but it took nothing away from just the absolute miracle that had mm -hmm. taken place yeah. of, yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. a, a totally natural twin birth was, it just seemed That's amazing. And I incredible. think as, as God has perfectly designed it, you know, I yeah. think you, as as the mother delivering, there's that sense of adrenaline that you're, you're just, you're going to do this. Yeah. You know, there's no, you, you couldn't question it. It just, it really wasn't a question in my mind of will this happen it's just we're gonna we're gonna do this let's yeah. do this you know that's beautiful yeah yeah I, I would call that or Marion would probably call that I've stolen it from her sort of getting out of the way mm -hmm. you know get out of your own way because mm -hmm. you're designed for this mm -hmm. and there's no faulty designs and uh, the only thing we can do to mess that up is to sort of get in the way of it mm -hmm. uh, and you show that you can get out of the way and mm -hmm. make that work that's really beautiful. Mm -hmm. So you have a lot of experience <laughs> now. You're both healthcare providers. You're both physical therapists. Has your experience around uh, birth changed your perspective at all on your own work uh, with patients? If so, how? You know, I, I think it makes you more compassionate, you mm. know, just understanding oh. the blessing of life. 
um, for me in particular, you know, I, I work with women who have infertility and pain and yeah. it almost there came with like a sense of, you know, why me? Like, why have I been blessed with six when I know someone just absolutely right. want one, you know, or be grateful for one. And, sure. you know, you have that ability to be able to relate for me to women mm-hmm. who've been through different birth experiences and, you know, so have I. <laughs> so, <laughs> and we all, there's no, like, no shame in any, I, I know a lot of women that I speak with, like, there's a lot of, sh- like, they feel like, oh, I had a C-section, so I wasn't yeah. worthy enough, or it wasn't good enough to have a vaginal, and it's like, no, like, that was just your perfect plan at yeah. that time, and, and it's okay. I think being able, able to help women walk through that, mm. and knowing that everything is designed perfectly Mm. you know we don't always understand it but um also the providers are doing what they need to do to make sure you are ultimately healthy and the baby is ultimately healthy Mm. so i think for me just that awareness Mm. of there are so many factors when it comes to delivery and i was you know as much as i wanted to avoid a c-section you know being in the hospital and knowing that hey if things go south ultimately at the end of the day we're okay. A healthy yeah. baby is yeah. what healthy we baby is, yeah. is what we're here for. Well, so. I'm sure there's couples listening or will be listening um, that you know have angst and concerns about wherever they are in that in that journey. Maybe it's their first baby, or maybe they're planning their first baby, or trying to decide how should we give birth, what should we do, what are our options. What would you guys say to them? What are the what are the most important sort of takeaway lessons that you would share with couples that aren't as experienced as you are? I would say be open, you know, be open to the the door that you maybe didn't expect to <laughs> to have opened, you know. Um, ask your questions, write them down. You know, oh, that was one thing I prepared, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I always tell my patients, you know, you get in the room sometimes and you freeze. And, and even yeah. me, being in healthcare, you, you know, you, mm-hmm. you get in the room and you're like, oh, wait, I had five questions and now I can only think of one. <laughs> so, you know, write your questions down. Yeah. Um, I think the great thing is now there's so much more information out mm. there. I think like a birth center birth is sure. is a l- little more well-known than it was even yeah. four years ago. Well, it helps that some 800 people have done it in our little yeah. area. Mm-hmm. That helps a lot because there's stories to tell. Right. Yeah. I think for us as well, there was an element of anxiety or uh traveling 50 minutes to have a baby mm-hmm. you know yeah, that sure. was That's no small matter well yeah, yeah and it but um so that took a little i mean you have a perfectly good hospital right here yeah. why wouldn't you go there sure and so to get to get comfortable to know okay yeah you know uh, we're going to travel just a little bit and it it never really felt burdensome for but us you but know what i'm hearing you say is you know, it's okay to do whatever you need to do to get what you want. Yeah, exactly. find a provider uh, that you uh, are comfortable mm-hmm. with that listens to mm-hmm. you. You know, if that's what's important to you. Mm-hmm. If you, you know, if listening's not important to you, and the color of their office furniture is, then look for that. But mm-hmm. whatever it is that you want, you should seek it because it's probably there to some degree or another. Mm-hmm. And don't just settle for, you know, maybe the most convenient if that doesn't fit with your goals and, mm-hmm. your, and your values. Yeah, right. I, I completely. Yeah, I completely agree with that and yeah. would encourage it. Um, and then it is, I mean, when you f- when you do feel like you're on a team, then the everything 
seems to fall into place so yeah. much more. And yeah. and that's maybe a, a little bit more of a guy's perspective, but mm-hmm. um, going from feeling like not not sure how much to coach or how much to fit into and in where I you know fit into this to feeling like should I be your coach and <laughs> and and then to just kind of naturally take it I felt like the the final two pregnancies we had mm. I just kind of found my place as the guy the, the dad the supportive husband yeah and it it was easier so kind of if you know, this is relatable, making sure that you, you do kind of feel like you fit into that role. Mm-hmm. I think from uh, the man's perspective is kind of important. So. Yeah. yeah, that's that's fascinating. I know you're both people of faith. Um, and, uh, you know, as we sort of wind up, how would you say your faith has affected your, you know, your pregnancy and parenting journey? Uh, and, and how has that journey affected your faith? lockstep <laughs> I mean I don't think we if our faith weren't a central part of our life um, I don't think we have the thought of you know having a, a fifth child and and sixth <laughs> and even now we talk about um, societal norms certainly a four children didn't get uh, people's attention six, six does, does. <laughs> uh, and so even in the midwest yeah mm-hmm. yeah and so six has definitely tipped us to the point where um you're looked at just a, in a little bit of a different lens but i feel like we've i if you think god has a purpose um julie now she's staying home mm-hmm. and and raising the younger three mm-hmm. um I think the you twins know, were kind of an answered prayer, just kind of solidified. Yeah. Made it easy for you. Yeah. It really, yeah. yeah. And, mm-hmm. and our faith has grown. Um, now, I still remember your story and, and your witness years ago back at Glandorf <laughs> um, about having a, a vasectomy reversed <laughs> when you start going down the path, the, the NAPRO path. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's certainly been a. You, well, you know, you could do something about that is <laughs> the number one thing that people Absolutely. talk about. Sure. And and so it, it, having comfort in your faith to, to step up and say, you know, and, and I say this with absolutely no prejudgment. Mm-hmm. This is where we are. Yeah. Um, and my faith has certainly grown mm-hmm. to the point where I am comfortable with you know, whatever God has in store for us, whatever um, our future may be, Mm. this is the way we're going to live our lives. And I don't, if you went back to the early stages of our life and our our marriage, um, we weren't weren't there either faith-wise or walking this this journey. And so the family has led to strengthening the faith a strengthening faith has led to openness in the family and it just has kind of blended Mm -hmm. and led us to a very happy point in our lives. Mm -hmm. 
That seems like a beautiful ending to this chapter of the story. Mm -hmm. Something tells me your story has a lot more chapters, um, but that's been a great... We uh, almost have a teenager now, so yeah, <laughs> we, we haven't that's gotten that chapter. far in the manual. If right. anyone wants to, to yeah. give us the manual and, and read ahead, well, we as might. Well, as the grandfather of four and soon to be the grandfather of five, I can tell you the chapters just get better. Yeah. <laughs> they Good. just get better and better. But thanks for being so bold and your witness, and thanks for being so transparent and comfortable sharing your story. I know listeners will be benefited from it. Thank you. We appreciate yes, the opportunity to tell the story. Thank you. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this story from Kevin and, and Julie. And I hope you take away from it, among other things, that you have choices. And those choices are important. And so figure out what it is that you want from your pregnancy and your birth. Um, and don't be afraid to seek that uh, from your providers. Um, the, the choices are available, hopefully, uh, wherever you are, wherever you're listening, um, and seek them because you deserve that. Uh, every pregnancy can't be as, uh, and every labor can't be as perfect maybe as some of Julie's, uh, as she described, um, but every, every labor and every pregnancy, you should feel empowered. You should feel like you're part of a transparent, highly functioning team that makes decisions with you, uh, not for you. Well, again, I hope you've enjoyed this discussion. Do you have a story that you'd like to share with our listeners? If so, I'd really love to hear from you. You can reach me via email at drstroud at fertilityandmidwifery.com. That's D-R-S-T-R-O-U-D. Uh, or you can message me directly if you like, 260-450-8878. And a very special thank you to our friends here at Spoke Street Media, without whom this podcast would simply be impossible. You can hear an endless variety of really amazing Catholic content. Check them out at spokestreet.com. You won't be disappointed, I promise. Well, thank you again for joining us on All Things Women's Health. Please like and subscribe uh, to our podcast and tell your friends about us. And I'll be back again soon with another episode of All Things Women's Health. Thank you again for listening. I'm Dr. Chris Stroud.